Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Institute for Policy Innovation podcast. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Merrill Matthews with the Institute for Policy Innovation. Today is August 31st, 2023, and I'm joined today by Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute in Washington, D.C. Grace Marie has been involved in reforming the healthcare system for decades, and Galen is one of, if not the most influential health policy think tank in the country. But on this podcast, we're not going to talk about health policy, but economic policy, specifically what's known as the Laffer Curve, because it turns out that Grace Marie was there at the creation in 1974 when economist Art Laffer drew the Laffer Curve on a napkin at the Washington Hotel. Grace Marie, thank you for joining us. It's such a pleasure to be with you, Meryl. And yes, I, I do have a past. I have a past life as a journalist, when I, which is why I happened to be there. <laughs> so tell us about this. You, you were at the Washington Hotel. There was four of you there, as you recall, I believe. It was 1974. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, Gerald Ford was looking to run for re-election, and we had issues there. But anyway, ha- ha- what, tell us what happened. Well, it was right after Nixon had resigned and Ford had become president without being elected because mm-hmm. he had been appointed as the vice president to, to serve as the vice president after his predecessor, Spiro Agnew, resigned. And so after Nixon resigned, we had our first unelected person in the White House, and he had pardoned Nixon. So he was kind of thinking a sinking ship. And he needed a good idea. And so this editorial writer for the Wall Street Journal and Art Laffer called up Dick Cheney, who was then deputy chief of to President Nixon, and said, we've got a great idea for you about an economic plan that might um, that would really stimulate the economy. We had long gas lines. We had high inflation. We mm-hmm. had high empl- unemployment. He said, this can really help boost the economy. And so I talked about the idea that if you cut tax rates, it actually encourages economic growth. It gives people more of an incentive to produce and to earn money, and that can actually create more revenues for the federal government. So it was so contrary to what everybody believed at the time, that if you want more, more money for the government, you have to raise taxes, if you cut taxes, you'll get less. And Art is saying, no, the opposite is true. Cut taxes, and you'll get more money. And so Art then was trying to explain this to Dick Cheney, and so he took out a cocktail, you know, one of the cocktail napkins, and this bar sort of across the street from the, um, from the White House at the Hotel Washington and drew this, what's now the famous Laffer Curve. And so it was. It made sense to me. I was a reporter at the time, and had been interested in these ideas. And I thought, you know, this really makes sense. Well, Ford didn't buy it. He basically said, "Nope, we're our our slogan is win with inflation now." <laughs> really I, I remember with inflation now. It was a slogan. <laughs> and even though he won the nomination. That was against Ronald Reagan, who ran the first time in 1976. He won the nomination, but he then went on to lose the general election. Well, a couple of years later, Laffer and Winiski were not giving up, 
And so they basically said, we will, uh, let's go out and meet with Reagan and see if we can get him to buy our ideas. So they flew out to the Reagan Ranch and I think probably 1978, and Laffer once again drew the Laffer curve for Reagan, and Reagan instantly got it. It became the platform for his 1980 election campaign, a 30% across-the-board cut in income taxes. And he um, went on to win, and, and I will argue that his ideas really were transformative in, in for creating prosperity for the rest of the century. You know, as as, so, I, as I read through your piece on this, uh, Art Laffer says there's two there's two rates at which the government gets zero revenue. If the government taxes a hundred percent of your income, the government's not going to get anything. And if the government taxes nothing, then it's not going to get anything. But somewhere in between there, there is an optimum tax rate in which um, you 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 gain enough revenue for the government to do what government needs to do, but also you leave enough incentive for individuals, uh, businesses and others to earn, produce, uh, and, and grow the economy. And the question has always been, where is that balance? And, you know, I know people come up sometimes and say, well, we need to cut taxes, but the question is always, what's the current tax rate? And is it, is it at the right spot? that really encourages people to go out, produce, invest, grow the economy, or is it confiscatory and ending up discouraging people from doing that? But Art understood that, and the point was always to try try to find where that balance is. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's not, it's not a fixed number. It changes all the time with economic conditions, and, and not only in this country but around the world. And so politicians' real mission is to try to figure out how do you get, what is that right number? And there was this wonderful headline in a Wall Street Journal editorial, Tax the Rich. This is the <laughs> Wall Street Journal, right? And it basically said, yes, the rich will pay more in taxes if you cut the rates. It's the rates that really matter because either you are incentivizing people to withhold their investment money from the economy or you're incentivizing them to to get a larger return because they can keep more of the money. That's what we want to do. That's what we need to do now. That was really the philosophy of the tax cuts in 2017, which are expiring, you know, in um, another you know, couple of years. Yes. The, just so people understand, in, uh, when Reagan was proposing that or when uh, uh, Ford was there, the highest marginal tax rate was 70%. And I believe that had yeah. actually been cut under uh, after John F. Kennedy's uh, assassination. Uh, Lyndon Johnson cut it some, but it, the highest marginal tax rate was seventy percent, and so it's it's significant. And people didn't have a lot of reason to try to um, uh, earn, especially higher income people, because it ended up taking up so much of their money. And of course, Reagan was successful in getting the Economic Recovery Tax Act uh, passed, the what's called the Kemp Roth Tax Act tax cuts in 1981, and that lowered the rate from, uh, I think, uh, what, 70% down to 50%. So it, did, it didn't get that full 30%, but it's certainly a major step. Well, but then, then Reagan had a second tax cut act in 1986. Right. So Reagan actually, the first administration and the second, got rates down to really internationally competitive rates 
that um, that really were just a, a huge boost and for the economy that, that went through really the next at least 10 years, probably, I would argue 20 years. Now, there's an interesting question. What happened to the napkin? I remember listening to Art Laffer, I think, in the oh, 90s yeah. talking about that, saying, you know, we don't know what happened to the napkin. He had talked about when, at that point, where he, uh, his uh, meeting with Reagan at that time. But there is a picture of a napkin uh, with, uh, with a curve on there. Tell us about that. Well, the Smithsonian actually has, in one of its museums, I think American History Museum, a copy of, of a Laffer, what they purport to be the Laffer Curve napkin. Well, it's, it cannot be the real one. I was there, right? And <laughs> you, were, you were at a bar, and it was a, it was a paper napkin, wasn't it? It was, a, it was a cocktail napkin. This was, you know, right now, these days, the Hotel Washington is a fancy restaurant. It was not then. It was just a bar. It would have been a cocktail, a paper napkin. And Artis actually said later, he said, my mother taught me not to write. I would never write on a, on a cloth napkin. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but that's what it is. It clearly was created. It's to Don Rumsfeld also, who was chief of staff at the time. But I do not believe that he do not recall that he was there at that initial meeting. Mm-hmm. It would have meant that the, what, that the, the, the chief of staff and the deputy chief of staff go to a bar across the street on a, you know, a weekday afternoon to meet with a journalist and a, an economist, a young economist. I don't think so. I think Art created that later. And Wineski's widow found it in some of his archives. And so the Smithsonian has now done this whole big shebang around it. I'm glad kids learn about it, but it cannot be the real napkin, which I think truly has lost, been lost to history. So it's interesting, though. So people can go and see a at least a copy of the of the original napkin at the Smithsonian, or it's available online. And I think, and you've written an article about this, about your experience there. How can people find that? I did actually. My my friend and economist Bob Grayboys invited me to write about this for his blog called Substack. And as an economist, he actually wrote. It drew what I think is a better Laffer curve Laffer <laughs> wrote, and we use that. Uh, we use that in our article. So uh, it's, we're putting it on our, on our website because it's easier to find there. So they can go to Galen dot org g a l e n dot org, uh, or they can look up Bastiat's window in Substack to see the original that was published by Bob Grayboys. I was a guest columnist on his blog, and he's he's the one who said you have to write this up. Nobody else has has written this story that was there. And on Art says, you know, he really doesn't remember it. Unfortunately, Winiski has passed away. Dick, I never asked Dick Cheney about it, but I guess I could. But I suspect he wouldn't remember it either. But as a journalist, I remember the details. It stuck in my mind because it seemed, at the time, it seemed like this is a big deal. You know, former uh, Art Laffer had been a former uh, top official in the in the Nixon White House uh, in the first term, and Winiski, editorial writer for the Wall Street Journal, and the chief of staff, the deputy chief of staff of the White House. That's a big deal meeting, and I thought. This really could be transformative, and it probably would have if if Ford had bought the ideas, but mm-hmm. he didn't. And maybe Reagan was really the right person to have adopted them in any case, because he truly had a passion for economic growth, for freeing up people from 
from government regulation. And this was a, a simple, easy way, something you could explain simply, but that had transformative effects. And I laugh went on to be named um, Times, one of the most influential people in the century. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really right. I think that his idea and really being able to explain something simply was transformative in that it it really got people to think differently about the relationship between government, taxes, and entrepreneurs. Because the, the notion had been for so long that if we need more money, we just raise tax rates and right. we'll be able to get more money. And Laffer pointed out that's not necessarily the case. Once you go past some per- certain point, you're going to actually get less money for the federal government rather than more. Well, anyway, Absolutely. it's... Zero tax rate. And actually, Art wrote a paper for the Heritage Foundation that was published, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago that I linked to in the piece where he shows not only in the United States, but around the world how the, the evidence is so compelling, even though politicians today still want to ignore it, how compelling it is that if government will simply get out of the way, entrepreneurs are ready with energy and idea and ideas and investors are ready with money to really give people a chance to create something new, to create jobs, to create products, to create, to, to, to invest in things that we can't even imagine if government would just get out of the way. Well, you know, that, that curve has become legendary among people who support free market economics. And as I mentioned a, a few decades ago, I heard Lark, Art talk about it, but I never thought I'd be able to get a chance to see it. And now I can see it at the, uh, at the Smithsonian <laughs> and it'll be available, I suspect, on, on the Galen website when, you, uh, when, when people want to go there and look for it. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. I, as I said, it's legendary. I never knew that one of my good friends was actually one of the people there. <laughs> <laughs> witnessing history. Yes, so we, we encourage indeed. our listeners, listeners, if you want to find and uh, find more, out more about that article or to see a, a picture of the napkin, you can go to galen.org and we invite you to visit our website at ipi.org and to sign up if you'd like to receive notices of our new podcast or content and events that we're doing. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform? You can also help sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of the IPI's Giving Society. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.